morning, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. Good morning, humans. And we are back. Good afternoon and good night, depending on what yes. time zone you're in. What time zone you're in. We, uh, we were away for a little while, and uh, we're back. And uh, we're going to focus t- tonight uh, on this, uh, this subject uh, that I've uh, concentrated on for the last year. And uh, during uh, our hiatus time, I, I have uh, refocused some of my attention on the, uh, the importance of this subject. And that's why I've given it uh, the title uh, this episode of uh, E.T., National Security and the Fate of the Earth. And uh, I will cover all aspects of this bizarre subject. I may drift in and out of, but the importance of trying to understand why this subject is a national concern why is it falling under such security when all of humanity would want to know if we were alone in the universe? When the crash in New Mexico in 1947 occurred, the uh, apprehension about this recovery operation and the wonders that would befall our technicians and scientists were of the utmost concern and to reveal to the American public after our world war that we uh, exited would be uh, not good. We needed a little peacefulness in our lives after the war. So Mm -hmm. the unanimous decision between the top generals and the presidency was that this subject would be classified higher than the Manhattan Project, higher than the Manhattan Project could ever be. The Manhattan Project was the atomic bomb, for those who don't know what the Manhattan Project stands for. But there were more than just a, a couple of people working on that project. I can tell you from my research that there's amounts of over 50,000 people working on this subject to, to develop a, a weapon that would end the war that was raging in uh, the other part of the world outside of the United States. I mean, we had, we had uh, concern that these objects that were being notified uh, to their uh, air traffic controllers uh, that uh, these objects were observing their craft on both sides, either the enemy and the allies were also spotting these objects. And uh, we thought they were uh, German aircraft, actually. And uh, they weren't performing any hostile actions towards our uh, craft, but uh, we did keep our eyes on them. And um, they became a... uh, a novelty, actually, because uh, they picked up a couple of names, which uh, 
became popular and uh, a rock and roll group picked up their name, which was the Foo Fighters. Hmm. And everybody is very familiar mm-hmm. with those names. And uh, Meanwhile, we had Led Zeppelin, which didn't move as fast as these little uh, ships, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but the, uh, the recognition of, the, of these objects being seen during the war continued. And uh, in, the, in the summer of 1947, one of them malfunctioned. And when that craft came down, like I said previously, the United States was eager to get their hands on this thing. And it wasn't the first time that these objects malfunctioned. Uh, apparently, uh, over the years, uh, information has uh, come out that uh, there were actually uh, more than two, maybe three, coming down in that period of the end of uh, July and August. And according to a classified document that became public knowledge in the 80s, verified this this, uh, recovery operation. And uh, it was given a code named Majestic 12, which was a uh, accumulation of 12 individuals who had the highest clearance in the United States government. And uh, most of them on this list, on this document, seem to have been involved in the Manhattan Project. And uh, when this document came out, it revealed the uh, recovery process that took place and uh, where these pieces of this craft were brought and who got involved in the, uh, the back engineering became more and more important to keep this information held from the American public. And so the national security became the, uh, I guess, the direction that uh, they were going to take. And the CIA got involved in this subject. And uh, they had to de-emphasize all the uh, uh, clamor that was uh, circling around this subject because once the uh, the announcement that the 509th um, had picked up this uh, craft, it became you know knowledge that was circulated all around the world. It's pretty significant what you're saying about the, again making the connection between atomic weapons and the use of nuclear weapons and UFOs mm-hmm. because the government's own involvement, not just on the surface of when the sightings were, you know, we've always maintained that there's been increased sightings um, around nuclear events and mm-hmm. testings and things in like, wars, but, um, and that's heavily reported, but just to, to also make the connection that the, what the government's involvement is the sa- some of the same people in both programs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when when the Majestic 12 document was analyzed for uh, proof or evidence of proof, it, it actually it actually articulated the uh, the procedure from A to Z, from the initial uh, memo that was issued by Harry Truman 
and uh, he gave authorization to the first Secretary of Defense, uh, which was uh, Forrestal, and we have an aircraft carrier named after the man. He uh, was appointed by uh, Truman to put together a group of individuals to figure out what to do about this uh, craft and the uh, implications of it. And so uh, this started to become big stuff for the government. This was no uh, silly joy. You know, we had uh, just finished with a, a big war where we lost millions of individuals, but now we were faced with a, a new complication. The, uh, during the uh, recovery operation of this craft in New Mexico, uh, there were uh, points of interest that uh, looked like uh, we had a contamination going on. Uh, some of the individuals that were uh, picking up this uh, material became in, uh, infected. They had to be put under decontamination. And uh, when the creatures were located, the, the creatures were treated in a very special way. They weren't just treated like, uh, like, a, like an injured uh, human. They were treated in a way where they had to be isolated and uh, they had to find a place to bring these uh, creatures. And uh, this led to a deeper secrecy. And according to the information in the uh, follow-up document that preceded the uh, Majestic 12 briefing papers for Eisenhower, a manual was released. And this manual came out two years after the uh, Eisenhower briefing document was released, um, actually printed uh, for, uh, for Eisenhower, uh, excuse me. And um, th this manual actually showed great detail in handling this, uh, this material and the, uh, uh, the special security methods that were employed to bring this stuff to different locations were extraordinary. Uh, the the uh, the procedures were were almost like a like a sci-fi movie, hmm. and uh, you know investigators over the year you know used to uh, hold this document up in the air and be uh, a little bit curious uh, whether it was legitimate or it wasn't. Uh, uh, fabrication to uh, confuse the public and, and get us to think that, uh, you know, that there was somebody else out there. But the more, the more the research showed that these things were actually legitimate and interplanetary, the security precautions on releasing any information on the subject became tighter and tighter. And here we are in 2022, and we're still debating whether the, these objects are legitimate. You know, a couple of years ago, they had some sightings off the coast of the uh, USS Nimitz. And uh, these pilots, uh, which are a part of our uh, opening podcast uh, segment, 
uh, are amazed at what they're looking at. And uh, pilots are one of the most highly trained uh, military uh, people that we, you know, we have. Uh, they, they know what's in the air and uh, what's different than atmospheric uh, lightning and uh, any uh, geese and, and flying birds. They know the difference. So when they see something that's zigzagging and doing things that uh, their aircraft could never handle, uh, they, they get pretty uh, pretty excited. And uh, when I first saw, saw that uh, that video broadcast on on local television, I was pretty amazed because uh, I said to myself, "Wow, who who allowed that to be released?" Because uh, for the last 75 uh, years, the pilots haven't been talking about that, this subject. That was their sacrificial lamb of a video. Yeah, it was we, almost yeah. <laughs> like, uh, was it a test to, to see the reactions it's of the general public? It's inconclusive forever. You know, and and the fact that, that I, I, I put this uh, title, The Fate of the Earth, on this episode, it leads me to believe that whatever is creating this excessive secrecy it could be hiding something that's quite uh, uncomfortable to handle. Well, you just, I mean, we can only guess at what, at what level <laughs> is our involvement in there, you know, is it intertwined with our existence or our, why are they here? On? Are they here to remove us? Are they here to occupy can't be that, us? Right? Cause we're still here. So. We're still here. <laughs> could they be here to, uh, to just enjoy the uh, the nice scenery that we have here in our planet and enjoy the palm trees and the warm weather? Or are they here to uh, take our minerals away? We have right. excessive amounts of minerals. I, I, I in our feel country. like that's a good possibility. Or could they be here to stop uh, us from playing with these weapons that, that cause an imbalance in the, uh, mm -hmm. in the solar system? Could they be activating earthquakes in our in our planet maybe they don't like that maybe they're waiting till we grow enough cows to take over the planet i mean there's this there's, <laughs> there's so many questions that have been asked as to what's the agenda and uh, the fact that this agenda is not openly known or talked about shows you that there could be something quite nasty behind this uh this visit and uh, that's my concern that uh, that the national security had to get involved with this subject, and the in fact, in the final months of 1947, the National Security Act was put together, and a month later, the United States Army Air Corps was reconstituted into the United States Air Force. Mm -hmm. Very coincidental. Uh, I, I've often wondered why ET would come here. You know, I've often said, "Well, maybe they they just they want to come visit and say hello, like uh, you know, like anybody visiting another uh, country would want to say hello to the local neighbors." You, you've got you know people like Linda Moulton Howe who says they've been here for millions of years. <laughs> yeah, well, because uh, you know the the. Uh, the story of uh, our beginnings, you know, are wrapped up in uh, our past, 
you know, or, and we have these things all around our country or our planet that, that show signs of mystery, you know, from the pyramids of Egypt to the uh, Machu Picchu and different locations in our planet. We have structures that are just impossible to explain. And yet, the similarities in their, their construction points to a civilization that was far in advance than the uh, alleged uh, people that were living at the time. I mean, uh, we were in, uh, you know, Neanderthals and uh, Cro-Magnon man, and here we have structures that are up and standing that, that defy imagination. So uh, our planet has been in and out of civilizations for a lot longer than historical uh, records indicate. And uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, I don't want to actually disillusion any any people that are uh, faithfully uh, accepting the uh, creation theory for man. But um, I, I have long thought that um, the man that we call uh, Eric Von Daniken, mm-hmm. his, uh, his books, from the first book that he uh, uh, was a million-dollar seller with the uh, Chariots of the Gods, the, this, uh, this book led to a lot of questions by people in, in faith. And uh, the main question in the book is, is God an astronaut? That's a, a key question that's listed in the back of his book. Mm-hmm. And that, that what, question. What, what, like a, um, a tagline or catchphrase. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a real amazing. catchy yeah. catchphrase because it, it, makes it makes you think, you know. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I can't talk about this subject without touching on uh, religious uh, teachings and scriptures and things like that. And uh, that's why I bring into this, uh, this field of subject uh, the, the possibility that our creation itself, humanity itself, comes from some visit. And uh, this ET, extraterrestrial, is responsible for our creation. I mean, we have we have the six chapters of Genesis, which explain that we were created in the image and likeness of what we call God. And I find it uh, kind of puzzling because the... Uh, Old Testament has so many interesting parts to it that remind me of UFO experiences that people were having in the ancient past, but people who wrote these stories down about these experiences had a hard time understanding that they were witnessing technology. Hmm. And so misinterpretation of 
you know, uh, what would what would you call uh, some kind of miracle? You know, you want to hold a cell phone in your hand uh, two thousand years ago? It's going to look you like you would be the king. You would be the <laughs> king of uh, you know your country. And I think the iPhone has a commercial like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the 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 revolutionary technology that a cell phone represents. I mean, is the accumulation of uh, our our uh, top scientists and technology uh, people, but was any of this uh, technology revealed in the back engineering of the Roswell recovery? Because in the, the December of 1947, the transistor was released. Hmm. The transistor changed all, electronics all and, and everything in our world. Mm -hmm. And uh, coincidentally, if this was a, a byproduct of a back engineering on the Roswell recovery, who knows what else was, was formulated? Yep. Big Chief Thunder in the podcast live room is on it. Fiber yeah. optics, yeah. Kevlar. I'll, I'll highly recommend the, the reading of uh, the book, The Day After Roswell by uh, Lieutenant Philip Corso, who uh, was a uh, breaking silence and uh with all the information that was released in that book i, mm -hmm. I would say that uh that's just the tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. um so when you when, when when you understand that et national security and the direction of our planet is all intertwined if by chance if by chance our planet is due to cease to exist because of something like a asteroid headed to our direction. Mm. We may not have too much longer. <laughs> and this effort to uh, leave uh, this planet and uh, find another hospitable place, another Goldilocks uh, planet, is underway. Uh, we have uh, we have a telescope out there that, that is looking for places to uh, be called a Goldilocks planet. You know whether they're five years away, five light years away from Earth, or a hundred light years. There is an effort underway to find some place that's very similar to this planet because we may not be, you know, here forever. You know, and, uh, and archaeologists have uh, shown that uh, our, our planet has been uh, subjected to massive uh, uh, destruction over the millennia from the uh, Ice Age to the, uh, the Great Flood that's mentioned in the, uh, in the Old Testament. And these, you know, could be natural disasters and they could also be, uh, you know, physically designed to a yeah. uh, clean house, you know? Well, that's a little relevant today, I think. <laughs> you know, we, 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 have a, we have a government, uh, sta a statue that, that looks like it's lying almost every day and, and we can't get a straight answer, you know, whether it be uh, on the political side of Democrats or Republicans. Uh, the, the, the planet is under a tremendous siege and uh, unless we get some order back in it, uh, it may not be uh, in existence too much longer. 
So uh, I close out this uh, podcast today, which uh, is going to be a short one, but uh, we're going to pick up some more on the. Oh the yeah, point. we're coming. We're back now. We're back. We're back, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna show you more depth, in depth information that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are being visited, we're being lied to, and uh, the consequences of uh, continuing to lie is only going to create more disturbance among (laughs) people who want to go to sleep and know what uh, the next day brings. You know, we all all, uh, strive to... uh, have a nice day in the following morning. And if we have to face the fact that uh, our demise is, is ahead, that's not a good thing to face. So, well, you know, like we have the, to face the possibility. You never know. And you should maybe live your life with keeping that a little bit in mind. You know, Yes, it, it's, it could be the reason why we don't have a need to know and why a contingency plan was developed and uh, this contingency plan is, is, is held in readiness should the need to be uh, made known to the public that uh, we're not alone. And uh, I guess until that need becomes uh, necessary, uh, it, we, it will be held top secret until that time. And so I'm going to say good night and ciao. Good afternoon and good morning. And good morning, and all of uh, over in Japan, all of <laughs> other nations that listen, and we'll talk again. Shout out to Australia too. Oh yeah, even into cold Alaska. If there's anybody up there, <laughs> we'll be back soon. UFOs top secret. Peace. Why are you?